Wow, that is really fun. Thanks, Colin. Okay, I have a couple things that I'm bringing up here with me. I am Danielle. Um, if you know me, you know I'm a crier. That, that is not necessarily what this is for. I also have a cold, but it will probably serve two purposes tonight. How are you guys doing? It's the last Monday of 2019. Who is excited? Who's excited? I know that a lot of people had to have talked about this year being a very difficult one. I see like memes on Instagram and everybody's like, I can't wait for 2019 to be over. We're going into 2020. But I did want to say, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me as I was reading all these things because God is still good. He is still great. And time is not wasted. 2019 was not just a difficult year, but God's goodness was being sown into this year. And we were able to see his goodness in many different ways. And so I just would encourage you, um, just right off the bat, I would encourage you to, well, as you're reflecting on this year, to also look at and try and find the ways that God has moved in your life this year, where you have seen his compassion and his mercy this year, um, because I just don't want us to get focused on all the negative things and all the heartache and painful things of this year and miss out on what he has done, because we just don't have time to focus on all of that. Amen? Yeah. I just felt to start off with that, so that's not even my message, but... Okay, so I have the opportunity to finish out this series. We are on a series about um, spiritual disciplines, becoming more like Jesus. Who has enjoyed it? Who has taken notes? <laughs> okay, hopefully a few more of you than those of you who raised your hands. If not, we have a podcast. So I get to talk about serving tonight. We are going to end the year with talking about service. And interestingly enough, I'm just going to move this over here. Interestingly enough, um, when I preached last in August, I got to preach We Are in Miracles, and I talked about uh, the story of Mary and Martha and her brother Lazarus dying in John, and I'm actually just going to start right back from that story. Interestingly enough, as I was prepping, I'm like, hey, wait a second, this is where I, this is where I preached from in the summer, but we're going right back there. So I'm just going to pray before we get started, and then we will just jump right in. Sound Okay. Father, I thank you that everyone here made it safely. I thank you that each seat has been prepared, that you have been waiting for each person that's sitting down in this room. And I thank you that you have um, something that you want to say to each heart in this room and each person that has made it here. I thank you that you have given me the opportunity to share more about who you are. And I just pray that tonight, Holy Spirit, it would be only your words that would come out of my mouth. Would all of me just fall to the wayside and would it be all of you? Because we are here to learn more about who you are we are here to draw closer to you, and I just pray that you would be communicated and that we would go home knowing more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we are going to start in John chapter 11, verse 28. I'll give you a moment to get there. So basically, this is where I preached in the summer. Um, it is a story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus died, and... We'll just, I'll just read it, and then we'll get into it. So, uh, Martha comes to Mary after the brother has died and tells her, Jesus is here, he is coming, and she says, the teacher is here and calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. 
The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And Jesus wept. So in this story, we see Mary is at the feet of Jesus and she is crying. Why? Because her brother has died. She is in pain. She is in grief. She's probably really disappointed because she says, I know you could have done it. I know you could have saved him. If you had been here, that wouldn't have happened. And we see her on her hands and knees at the feet of Jesus crying in a place of pain and anguish. Now, if you don't know, Jesus ends up raising Lazarus Lazarus from the dead. But we are going to move forward into John chapter 12, where we find Mary next. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, Lazarus was, the one who Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of them reclining at the table. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What we see here is the first story. We see Mary at the feet of Jesus crying in pain. And then when we jump forward, we see her at the feet of Jesus. She is no longer crying. She is no longer have heartache. But she is pouring out this perfume at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because she has experienced the miraculous healing of Jesus. She has experienced a God so great who heard her cry, who heard her pain, and and moved right in front of her eyes. She saw her brother come back to life. That's a very different picture from when we first saw her. We first saw her on her hands and knees pouring out tears. And then we later see her on her hands and knees pouring out this expensive perfume. Why? Because she has experienced a part of Jesus. She has experienced the miraculous wonders of God. And from that, from that overwhelming heart of gratitude and gratefulness and and awe and wonder, she does something that may seem irrational to those around her, may seem... Like, why would you do that? It was expensive. Um, But to her, it was rational, and it was just this automatic move from seeing the wonder of God. And now in Luke chapter 7, we're going to read a bit of scripture, and then we'll talk about it, okay? In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, I'll give you a minute to flip there. We also see another story written about a lady who is unnamed at the feet of Jesus. It's a very similar picture. She's pouring out expensive perfume at his feet. And the thing is, it's very widely debated. Trust me, I spent far too many hours today trying to find an answer. Lots of tears. But it is very widely debated whether or not that is the same Mary that we read about in John. The point is, at least for today, whether or not that is Mary or not, it doesn't really matter. I'm just settling on that because I spent too long trying to find, figure it out. But we see here another story of a lady who comes to Jesus and meets him at his feet. It seems very similar, 
But what Luke mentions is a woman who was called a sinner. There's a sinner who comes to his feet. She's crying, wiping his feet with her tears and pouring out perfume. Why? Here Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. This lady has experienced the freedom and the the grace of God. She has experienced what once felt like a bondage of her sin, what once felt like this weight that she was carrying. She experienced the freedom of God. She experienced what it was like to come as one person and to be set free and made whole and made new again. And what does that do? It causes her to fall to her knees, crying at his feet and wiping his feet with perfume. We see a similar picture here. She was so in love with the one who sent her free that she couldn't help but pour out at his feet and serve him. And what's interesting is as I was reading these stories, I was reminded of my own story. If you don't know, I've been coming to Tehillah for four and a half years. And four and a half years ago, I was sitting at the very back, back there, crying my eyes out because I hated myself I hated the life that I had created. I hated the decisions that I made. And I knew who I was at that moment in time was not who I was meant to be. It just couldn't be. And I thought that I was never going to be able to accept the love of God. I thought I was so undeserving that I would never be able to experience what everybody here on stage talked about. And I cried for many Mondays at the back there, and I just wished, oh, I wish so badly that could be me, that I could experience that love, but there's no way. Everything that I've done is too much, I'm too far gone, but I still came, and I still sat at the back. And let me tell you, the love of Jesus is for every single person. It's no matter what you have done, no matter what you come here with, no matter what, what your situation looks like, Jesus will fight for you, he will come after you, and he will not stop until you know and have experienced in your heart the love of God, because he loves you so much and he just desires more than anything than to set you free. And I sat at the back crying, and now, four years ago, and now I still come here, sitting over here, still crying, in the same place, in the same seats, except for the fact that F.A. changed the seats, but you get what I mean in the same place, in the same seats, on the same carpet. Oh no, okay, they changed the carpet too. In the same place, I am still over there crying. My tears four years ago hit this floor because I never believed that I would ever be worthy of the love of Jesus. And now my tears hit this floor because I understand that I am forgiven and that I am wiped clean and that the love of Jesus is so transformative and redemptive that I would vow to serve God for the rest of my life. When you experience the love of Jesus, you are called and you are pushed to do irrational things, things that appear irrational to those outside. But who knows that the radical love of Jesus makes the irrational look rational? Do you understand what I mean? On the outside, what looks irrational turns rational to those who have experienced the love of Jesus in their hearts. And we see that in the stories. In the first story, you see Simon with Mary at Jesus' feet and he says, okay, that could have been 300 Denari, why is she pouring that out? He doesn't understand why. He thinks it's irrational. Why? 
because he is materialistic, because he looks at what it is and he sees the value of the, mon- the money in that and he can't understand why you would pour that out at Jesus's feet instead of holding on to it for yourself because he maybe hasn't experienced the transformation in his heart when you experience the love of Jesus. And you see it again in the second story with the unnamed woman. She's at the feet of Jesus crying. She is also pouring out perfume. And Simon says, Okay, Jesus, if you knew who this woman was, you wouldn't be letting her at your feet. But this woman, who has experienced the love of Jesus, she has experienced the freedom of being set free. She knows that she has a place at Jesus' feet. She knows that she is accepted and allowed in his presence. And she also knows that she has something to offer. She has something to offer to him. And what looked like Irrational to those around them became rational to these women. I've seen it in my own life because the love of God is so great that you can't help but pour out at his feet. And in John chapter 15, verse 12, it says that Jesus says, um, love one another as I have loved you. Well, we can only love one another to the capacity at which we have understood that we are loved. If we are meant to love one another as we have been loved, we can only love one another to the capacity at which we have understood that we are loved. And how do we do that? By being in his presence. You can only serve and love those around you to the capacity at which you have sat in his presence and he has spoken to you and you have understood how loved you are. Our relationship with the Father should be the first priority and serving others will be a byproduct of what we first experienced with him. That we would allow ourselves to be transformed by him and in that would just be the symptom of pouring out into those around you. Relationship with him is first. Serving comes second. Thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) Because the word of God is so good that it deserves praise. So as we follow the story of Mary, we're just going to keep following her along. We're like stalkers. Except it's written here, so I think it's allowed. If we look at Luke chapter 10... Verse 38 to 42, it's a very famous passage. I'm sure many of you have heard it, especially when we talk about serving. It's kind of the classic go-to, and we're going to read it. So we're back with Mary and Martha, and it says, While they were traveling, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to give me a hand. Sisters, am I right? I have two of them. That sounds like our relationship. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. So we see Mary and Martha once again. 
We see Mary again at the feet of Jesus, soaking in his presence and sitting there listening to all that he said. And we see Martha busy with tasks and running around. The thing is, Martha and Mary have both experienced the same thing. Martha and Mary both saw their brother die and they both saw him come back to life. Yet here we see them acting very differently. We see Mary who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in his presence. And we see Martha who's busy with tasks. The thing is, Mary understood that before she could go out and do anything else, that she needed to spend time in intimacy with him, that she needed to spend time in his presence because anything that she could do was far greater when she's doing it with him and with his presence than by doing it alone. And we see that in Martha. She's busy and distracted and she's not able to be with Jesus. And there's a difference. There's a difference between serving for Jesus, because that's what Martha's doing. She's not doing anything wrong. She wants to serve Jesus. She wants him to have a great time at her house, throw a great party, be a great host. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is there's a difference between serving for Jesus and serving with Jesus. Do you understand? Because when we serve with Jesus, one, we've spent time in his presence, and two, when we serve with him, we get to learn more about who he is. When we're doing things with him, it's a relationship. We get to hear what he says. We get to hear him talk to us about how he would talk to that person, or how he would act in this situation, or how he would react in a situation. When we're doing it with him, we learn more of who he is. And I see that. I'm a nurse at the Children's Hospital. Yay. Which is the best job ever. And I see that there. Well, I see it in many areas. But I can go into a room at the hospital, and it will be chaotic and stressful, which of course it is. People's children are sick, sometimes very, very sick. And the room can be very stressful. Parents can be angry or disappointed um, or, or mad at each other, mad at us. And I have the opportunity to either... Go in and step into what I see, step into the chaos and take that on. Or I have the opportunity to serve with Jesus. I have the opportunity to ask him, what do you want to bring into this room? What are you seeing and what are you saying and how will you speak to these people? And instead I get to hear if he wants me to bring compassion or clarity or peace or a hug or whatever it is to these people. And that is way more effective, number one, because people are receiving what they need. Why? because I've asked Jesus to do it with him. And not only am I able to serve better by doing it with him, I also get to learn more about who he is. And as I'm stepping into the promptings that I'm feeling on my heart or that I'm hearing when I ask, I'm stepping into more and more of who he is. And as I become more and more like him by serving with him and not for him, I am, I am reshaping myself to be more like him. Does that make sense? As we step into more and more of what he would want us to do in those moments, we are becoming more and more like him. And we are showing more and more of him to the people around us. Because we are not defined by what we do. I am not defined by what I do. You are not defined by what you do. But what we are defining ourselves by is what we are becoming or who we are becoming. You are not defined by what you do, but you are defined by who you are becoming. 
And so if we step into more and more of what Jesus would want to do in each moment by being in relationship with him, we are becoming more and more like him. And that is how we are defining ourselves, not by what we do, but by who we are becoming. And if we're so busy running from task to task, we're so busy getting caught up in the chaos of it all, and even if it's in good things, Even if it's in good things, if we are getting so caught up by serving for him and we are forgetting to serve with him, we are not being defined by what we are doing and we are not becoming more and more like Jesus. Who are you becoming if you are so busy running from task to task to task that you are not stopping to sit and to hear what Jesus is saying about you and about the circumstances around you? We become more and more like him as we step into more and more of who he is. And we can only do that by first being in his presence and by secondly choosing to serve with him instead of for him. I'd actually like to call the band back up if that's okay. Just move my stuff over. As we, as we choose to look more and more like Jesus, each one of us in this room carries a unique piece of who he is. Each one of us in this room carries a unique gifting, a unique calling, a unique passion, a unique pers- like personality trait. We all carry a unique piece of who he is. And as we choose to serve collectively as a group, we get to create a more holistic view of who God is. Because as we are all serving this little piece inside of us that replicates and represents Jesus, we are creating this like mosaic, this picture that is made up of many little pictures, all of us being the little pictures that are coming together and creating a more holistic picture of who God is. God has gifted each one of us with a unique passion and a unique desire that is necessary for this moment, that is necessary for this time, that is necessary for this city, for this community, for this next year, and for this next decade. You are not here by accident. Do you know that? That you are not here by accident? That you are here for a reason, for a purpose, and that you are vital to this community and to this city and to what God is doing in this moment. We need you. Because this picture, this holistic picture of God isn't complete if you are not in it. Because we need to see a piece of Jesus in you that I do not carry, that your neighbor does not carry. You carry something specific. The Holy Spirit told me in advance, I'm going to ask you to pause and take a look around. I'm like, oh, no, please, no. That's so awkward, silence. But here we are again. So I'm just going to take a moment. I don't like awkward moments, so this is hard for me. the Holy Spirit reminded me and asked me and told me, said, look around and see pieces of God in each and every person in this room 
And when I look around, I see people who exemplify the compassionate heart of God. And I see people who carry his steadfastness. And I see people who carry his strength and his artistic side and his wisdom and his knowledge. And I see that. Why? Because each one of you are carrying something so special. And, and I get to experience God by looking at everyone around me and seeing, seeing him in you. This year, God told me, I'm going to, I want you to spend time seeing me in other people. That you won't just get to know me on your own. That you won't just get to know me by journaling and by having alone time. But I want you to get to know me through the people around you. And now it's really cool because it's the end of the year and I get to speak on that. Because I look at my friends and I look at everyone in this room and I get to see more of who he is. And my prayer is not only that this next year that we would step up and we would serve and we would pour out who he is into the people around him because we have experienced him in our own hearts. That not only would we be a community and a city and a generation that pours out Jesus, but we would also be a people who look around and look at the person next to you and you would find Jesus in them and you would call it out of them because he is in every single one of you. He is sitting beside you. There is a piece of him in the person next to you. And so my prayer for this year is that we would spend time in his presence, that we would spend time getting to know the Father heart of God. And from that, from that transformation, that we would pour him out to the people around us, that we would be a people that serve with him and not for him, that we wouldn't just be running from task to task, but we would be praying and, and hearing him and listening to him and being in tune with him so we know where to go, so we know the people to speak to, so we know who he wants to be in that situation and we can exemplify him and glorify him more as we tune into what he wants to do in each moment. And that we would also take time to see him in the people around us. That we would take time to notice him and take in all of who he is because he is here and he wants to speak to you and he just wants you to know who he is. I think we'll just go back into worship. <laughs>